but what we typically see is that crime is driving the poverty like when these people steal from their areas when they what damage do you think places. drives crime what i think drives i think people people a certain percentage of the population is going to be criminal they need to be removed from society so i would say human nature would be a <laughs> so, uh, certain percentage of the population you're born criminals all right you just you got a crime i know you got a crime you got a deep within you right you just have that desire you know every day when you wake up like gotta rob you know i'm an outlaw what can i say i was born this way baby A bunch of people are like, I just left the Majority Report stream to come here because I thought it would be something else. <laughs> ah, you thought. Ridiculous. Like, go look at Joe Biden on the floor of the Senate pushing the crime bill and listen to the way Joe Biden talks about crime now. I'm into I want to date my 1990s, point is crime was higher 1990s then. Joe Biden. Yeah, they're passing a law. 1990s a Joe law. Biden was harsher on crime and yes. crime... Yes. began to drop precipitously yes crime started to drop uh, or drop nationwide after that crime bill yes oh i see what you're saying and then and then uh and then crime shot up like when when did we start as a society just in the past two years have we gotten more sympathetic to to shop i do think people have become more sympathetic to criminals and less sympathetic to the police a hundred percent um i i wait, don't wait, know wait. about your is it coverage about the uh, is it about the police or is it about the criminals? I thought it was well, we're really talking about, about cultural attitudes related to crime in the criminal justice system. So, yeah, okay. when I talk about retail thefts, there's a lot of excuse making. I'm sure you have people on your staff that have said it's no big deal or my favorite one where it's like wage theft actually is more than the the retail theft. You know, why as is if that, wage why theft isn't spread that? out over the entire economy, as if that has anything to do with what we're talking about in the first well, place. Wait a second. Wait a second. You just said the problem. You just said the problem. Uh, with um, with shoplifting is what it does to the community. You don't yeah. think you don't think wage theft. There is there's something like what what are the numbers that you understand wage theft to be on an annual? Well, basis? I know that you guys like to use the 2013 chart because it has a very big disparity that comes what from the you, economic policy. What do you think Institute? the wage? Well, I mean, it's you not people. just the economic policy institute. But what do you what do you put wage theft at? I, I would put it at the tens of billions. I think the number that you guys often cite is around 50 billion, even though what you're citing is the billion. wages recovered. But, you no, know, the, the wages recovered, under. wages recovered was 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 closer to, I think, uh, from September 2018. But one of these stats from a more updated one, like, uh, 20 billion. But the the annual I mean, the estimates I've seen are anywhere from like three to six billion dollars annually because you don't always recover it. I mean, at all. Um, but you think that that loss we recovered would be 20 uh, billion, but the annual 20 billion total over the course six? of 10 years, um, over the course of 10 years. Yeah. That's the stat that uh, the DOJ puts out the, um, but the, 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 the point is, is that you, I just want to be clear on this. Shoplifting hurts a community more than people. I didn't say it hurts a community more. It's just a different problem. So what well, you're doing well, is crime. So what you guys do is, is I talk crime? about a problem, or someone like me talks about a well, wait, problem. Sean, is that and not then you crime? say, hey, look at don't this get other meta. problem. Don't get meta. Two just address. Makes the who cares? Don't, I guess. Don't, don't don't get meta. Just address the issue. This is wage theft, right? We both agree it's a crime. Yeah, you should. So from 2014. Uh, oh, so this is comparing 2012 robberies to wage theft, but 2012 robberies to wage theft and 2014 wage theft rates, it's 139 million for robberies, 280 million for wage theft. 
But I want more updated info. He's right. Didn't do it, and I'm in favor of well, it's illegal. It's not just it's it. not it's yes. it's illegal. Okay, I just said I'm so, in favor of the so, prosecution of it. And in fact, we're talking about the same people too, right? Like, because when you say, "Well, people don't uh, sympathize with a corporation when there is uh, there is shoplifting, and it's going to hurt the workers there and the community because of high prices and presumably, you know." Uh, uh, high prices are going to hurt low-income uh, people more than others. Well, to, to be clear, well, we're I not... just want to be clear. I just want to be clear what you're saying. Well, we're we're that not talking... is that is how is that really not hitting the exact same players? Well... Sam, we're not talking about the same people because, again, wage theft is spread out over the entire economy. When we talk about retail theft, that typically – now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist – involves the retail sector. So what you're actually doing is expanding the Where do you think wage the theft is highest? <laughs> I would think probably in government contracts. A lot of these have issues with the Davis-Bacon. Yeah, I keep seeing the 2015 stats too, but, I mean, they are pretty comparable. Whereas estimated value of wages lost due to minimum wage violations from 2013 to 2015, $15 billion. Estimated value of merchandise lost from shoplifting from 2013 to 2015. And this is, again, federal on both ends. So you can compare them one to one, $14.7 billion. So by most metrics, it's beating out uh, merchandise theft. In law where they're underpaying, it probably is in major corporations with unpaid overtime. I think it's in a lot of different places, but I do know that a lot of illegal immigrants in the United States of America are entitled to the wages under Davis-Bacon, and they often get cheated. And it is a great moment years later, although sometimes their lives are ruined, when investigators find out that they're backdated pay and they give them a huge check. So I would think it happens in multiple different sectors, not just retail, but yeah, and it has multiple different forms. I mean, uh, all right, so uh, you're just keying in on shoplifting. That's the crime. The well, when we talk about retail crime. theft, we typically talk about retail theft. No, I understand. You're doing a two wrongs makes a who cares. No, I'm just saying, I'm just, I just find it curious. But that, that's that's fine. Uh, you were the one who brought up wage theft. I just well, want to be clear uh, Yeah, because it's a common retort by people who are trying to uh, deflect Don't get so the meta. Issue. Then we won't get hung up on these things. It's also, you know, <laughs> nobody talks about stealing from your employer, which many years is actually higher than wage theft. But, you know, based on what? There's that, too. Please. Stat. Okay. Um, stat. Uh, I, data. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I, I guess nobody talks about that. It's not on the charts that you present from the Economic Policy Institute. I, I mean, uh, dude, you brought up wage theft. Yeah, because it's a common retort and I've seen it brought up on your show. Well, yeah, wage theft is an issue. Um, I never said we've it wasn't. also brought up, uh, you know, that uh, corporations lie about how much they're getting, um, uh, how much they're uh, they're they're suffering from um, from uh, uh, from you know uh, petty theft. You know what's interesting about wage theft is it's broken. If you look at it broken down state by state, you start to realize that certain states do take it somewhat seriously, right? So these states recovered the most stolen wages for workers. California, New York, Connecticut are the most aggressive. But then there's other states where clearly, like Oregon, for example, where it is not a priority. And that's where you can sincerely exploit the, the you know, the labor of your workers in those areas. Um the state attorney general accounted for $317 million out of the nearly $2 billion recovered for workers from 2015-2016. The rest of the money came from the Federal Department of Labor, $513 million in wage hour settlements, and $1.2 billion in payouts stemmed from lawsuits, many of them class actions. So this is through litigation, people trying to recoup the amount of money that has been lost in wage theft. I mean, the Walmart, I think, executive admitted that on a call with uh, financiers. Walgreens. They blow it up. So you're talking about a Walgreens executive where yeah. he said, or she, I don't remember, I think it might have been a woman. 
that it was uh that we may have overstated this in this specific Walgreens call. But I do remember when Walgreens got into it with London Breed, who claimed that it was completely overstated, and they clarified. Economic Policy Institute from 2014 is the one he's talking about, right? So this is the stat where he says it's misleading because it's from 2012, which even then, I mean, have things improved dramatically since then? In 2022, wage theft outpaces all over the theft in America. Uh, the truth is that wage theft has been identified as the largest type of theft in the United States. It's responsible for roughly three times as much economic loss as other types of threats combined. According to a new report from the National Employment Law Project, in 2019, approximately $9.27 billion in wages were stolen from workers who earn less than $13 an hour. So while people worry about things such as auto theft, bank robberies, shoplifting, and home burglaries, the truth is that wage theft affects far more people than these well-known crimes. According to the Economic Policy Institute, wage theft occurs anytime employees do not receive wages to which they are legally entitled for their labor. Pretty simple. Wage theft can happen in many different ways. Employers conceal from employees, misclassifying them from independent contractors, etc. So what can you do? I mean, so this, uh, if we're looking at data from 2019, it says $9.27 billion in wages. So it's About not something that, like, that they was exclusive to 2014 and then the, the problem solved itself. Due to the increase in theft specifically in San Francisco. And honestly, it should be, it should be alarming that these stores are closing in. Uh, more than $3 billion in stolen wages recovered for workers between 2017 and 2020. And that's recovered, by the way. Over the past four decades, the U.S. economy has been marked by extreme inequality, which has only been exacerbated by COVID-19. Uh, earnings below the poverty line rose 65.1 million. Each year, millions of workers across the country are victims of wage theft, meaning they are paid less than their full wages, which they are legally entitled. Between 2017 and 2020, more than $3 billion in stolen wages was recovered on behalf of the workers of the U.S. Department of Labor. But that's still a, a dramatically underfunded uh, sector, by the way. This staggering amount represents just a small portion of the wages stolen from workers across the country. Left-wing cities disproportionately, considering the giant subsidy that they got from the vaccines. Remember, these corporations were essentially given welfare by being able to be the distributors of these vaccines that draws people into the stores. And yet at the same time, <laughs> there's a giant reduction in the number of storefronts in these areas. So you would think in places I'm where sure they actually COVID had, had higher... nothing to do with, uh, with the, the closure of those stores. Well, COVID, COVID actually had everything to do with the boost in business because these were the distributors of the vaccine. No, I understand they were to distribute the vaccine, but you're also aware that, like, you know, uh, people's uh, uh, purchasing uh, patterns uh, changed dramatically during COVID. There's a lot of, like, uh, restaurants that uh, closed. There's a lot yeah, I mean, of— I mean, they closed uh, restaurants, okay. and if you weren't able to ship to delivery, you were pretty All much right. screwed And over. so um, uh, you, you think we need to stigmatize— um, Criminals, uh, for sure, 100%. Criminals more, and that will uh, do it. And— how do you think we how do you think we stigmatize criminals like what what part of society like we know that there's and, and you don't believe do you believe there's a correlation between poverty and extreme poverty uh, with with crime? Yes, I, I know for a fact that crime drives poverty in the United States is. of America and the world over. Okay. So, yes, there's a, there is a correlation. Uh, do you think that there is a correlation between uh, that the poverty drives crime? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Crime drives poverty. Yeah. OK. I'm asking you specifically, I know that you, you're, you're arguing that you think crime creates poverty, but I'm asking you now, do you think that poverty creates crime? I think in certain circumstances, I'm sure it could happen if you go down to a certain level, for sure. I mean, but I think that in that order mean, to if build you go down to a certain level, what yeah, that if mean? you're like, well, out. we have like, um, well, actually, even that is is a bit of a dubious notion. So like American poverty, like you would acknowledge is relative poverty compared to poverty in like the third world. I mean, 
like you understand that somebody in the United States of America in poverty would be under $12,000, which would be different from somebody who's living on a dollar 50 a day. Yes, but also uh, everything else changes. You, you can't just like isolate one aspect of that. You can't be like, well, in other countries, you know, a, a single American dollar goes a lot further. Uh, okay, you're correct on that, but every, everything is going to be proportional, right? Like everything's going to change. Like, I, uh, of course, if you go somewhere else, the cost of living is going to be lower. The cost of food is going to be lower uh, if they have, uh, again, uh, a weaker economy than the United States. Uh, and if they, especially if, they, if they've been neo-colonized by the United States or they're taken advantage of by the United States corporations, whatever it is, yes. But it's not just like one thing, right? Like you can't be like, you know, so X is X. Like well, under you understand that, that poverty is really a function of purchasing power, right? Sure. Purchasing power could have an impact. I mean that's I mean that's yeah we all all, all poverty measures yeah, are yeah, a function for, uh, of you can of you the can state, adjust right? it for yeah sure right. I mean you, you I mean if you had no stores there would be no uh, uh, there'd be no theft of stuff in there and that's not really relevant but okay yes I understand but that you yes typically need if a you are in living in America and you are poor uh, theoretically. Um, well, you, you have a access to more stuff than let's say you live somewhere else. Oh, yes. You do? Okay. 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 All right. And. Yeah. So you're talking about relative poverty. So I'm saying at a certain amount, yes. When there's like genuine desperation, like I could see circumstances where that's happening, but what we typically see is that crime is driving the poverty. Like when these people steal from their areas, when they what damage do you think places. drives crime. What I think drives, I think people, people, a certain percentage of the population is going to be criminal. They need to be removed from society. <laughs> so I would say human nature would be a so, uh, certain percentage of the population. You're born criminals, all right? You just, you got a crime. I know you got a crime. You got a deep within you, right? You just have that desire, you know, every day when you wake up, like, got to rob, you know, I'm an outlaw. What can I say? I was born this way, baby. <laughs> would be a good example. Human nature. Yeah, it's okay. a small percentage of the population that exhibits like a deviant kind of behavior. Okay, so what do you think? Then, then why is there an overrepresentation of different demographics in like categories that don't technically exist, like race? Why, why, why is there way more black and brown people in, in, in you know, in all aspects of the criminal justice system? Why does it seem to fall along poverty lines too? Like the less money you have, the less money you can afford a good lawyer, the less money you can even pay or post bail in some cases, right? That seems to play a really big factor in the whole thing. It drives the majority of crime. I just said that. Oh, you, you think it's just people who are born criminals? I wouldn't say born criminals, but people who, when you don't have the proper deterrence in place will commit crimes yes and those deterrents could be police I, I, deterrence like i said earlier okay, okay or wait, 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 social wait, deterrence but, but, or whatever but not like how can you be an american and stand behind that because like y'all have the biggest incarceration state in human history one percent of the population of the united states is in a cage right like if, if more policing if more higher police budgets if more incarceration actually worked then it would be the the safest lowest crime ridden country in human history everybody is subject to the same deterrence right uh, not necessarily we're all born badlands bad to the bone well, explain this because I'll give I, you, I, so so I'll give you an example. So in New York City, disproportionately, the people who live in public housing happen to be Orthodox Jewish people, right? They do not commit crimes at the same rates 
as other demographics, they're in fact among the lowest. They commit crimes near around where Asians do. So they're probably better than your average middle-class white person in the city of New York. I think that they have a stronger social structure than other groups in the United States of America, even if they're equivalent. Hey, Lucid Fox. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, man, it's been four years. Now that's weird. Yeah, now you're making me feel old. I've been doing this for far too long. Hey, everyone, go check out Lucid Fox's channel, twitch.tv slash Lucid Fox. He's uh, quite fantastic in, in many ways. Poverty levels. So if I was to look at like the incarceration rates of black people, for instance, sure. relative to white people, your argument would be that there's something fundamental about their social structure that is uh, that is uh, why that we, we see those incarceration rates higher. Well, it would be based on their behavior for the one-to-one, -one, but if you're asking me for like an underlying cause to the behavior, which by the way, I don't care about because root causes are not more important than any other cause. Let's be clear about that. So this is just like another rabbit hole pointless like argument that has nothing to do with the subject matter, in my opinion. It's not useful or productive. But yeah, I would say that there is there are definite cultural differences between uh, what were the groups you said black Americans and white Americans? Uh, yeah. Yeah, between there's definitely cultural differences between black Americans and white Americans and more tolerance to criminality. And by the way, there's differences between black New York and then we were going to get here eventually, right? Because eventually with the race realist, it always ends here. So yeah, there, there's a very, very strong cultural difference between black Americans and white Americans. And that what's uh, apparently is making them predisposed to crime. Yeah. And black people in Chicago. And that's also reflected in the rates. And I think that does lead to different outcomes in terms of criminal justice. And you think it's unrelated to um, uh, things like uh, poverty or systemic racism or. Well, if uh, we have. So if we're going to use poverty as the metric and we compare poor black Americans to poor Asians or poor Hispanics, and by the way, Hispanics commit more crimes on average, but less than black Americans, then obviously poverty is not the determining factor if the crime rates vary wildly. Well, I have an analogy for you. Um, when you build in a house, and you have different uh, um, uh, you have different uh, uh, foundations, and you pull one out. So, I mean, poverty yeah, I think may not the be interval... the determinant, but maybe when you mix poverty with other sort of like structural factors in society, peoples have less reason to uh, feel a, a stigma about crime or less reason to be invested in society, do you, but like, you don't subscribe Can you, can you give an example? Can I give an example? Yeah, of, of this other factor. Well, I mean, I think that like, um, if you have been stuck in extreme poverty for extended periods of time, if you live in a society where it is harder for you to, uh, uh, to find housing or loans or to get out of a specific area in which you're living, um, if you have been subjected to um, a, a, uh, a socialization that labels you as a criminal uh, or that your activity just walking around is criminal, that it might create Who, that. Who's being arrested for walking around? Well, not arrested, but harassed. I mean, I think you, you wouldn't deny. I mean, your argument would be there's more violent crime in certain areas, and that's why there's more cops. But we also know that, I mean, if, if you're a black teen and you're walking uh, the, the street. Study from the University of Hawaii says a 1% rise in poverty would amount to a 2.16% rise in crime and a 2.57% rise in violent crime. Therefore, an increase in poverty can be directly increased crime rates in America. 
interesting study. In some neighborhoods, uh, you are far more likely to get uh, stopped and harassed uh, by the cops than if you're a white. Well, I wouldn't team. say I mean, harassed, but you are more likely to interact with police. Yes, okay. there's more police there. I, I mean, I think from the perspective of that person uh, who is interacting with the police after having done nothing, they would perceive it as harassment. For you sure. If, if I was if I was a law abiding person in a black neighborhood and I had to interact with the police due to the fact that, you know, criminals are acting up in my neighborhood, then that would get under my skin. I mean, I have. What if you were like pulled over uh, in like your car? I mean, I I've told this story on the show many times, but I was an actor uh, uh, back in the day. And Damn, you're uh, still an actor, buddy, just because of the strike doesn't mean that they're not going to resolve that. No, that's true. I do do some voice work, but uh, nevertheless, I would, uh, I was on a sitcom at one point and um, uh, it was a, a majority black cast. And uh, one of the buddies was, uh, we went back to his uh, place and we, we pull in uh, into the uh, underground driveway uh, parking lot and a buddy of his pulls in behind us and he's got one of those uh, Range Rovers. And at that time, that was a very popular car. Uh, in uh, L.A. with like uh, the Hollywood set. Uh, this is back in the 90s. And he pulls in. He's like, thank God you're here. I just got uh, uh, I was getting followed again by the cops. I've been pulled over four times in the past two months. Uh, and uh, they check to see if I own the car. And I called the uh, police department to see if I could get a sticker or something. And the, he said, the sergeant literally said, are you black? And I said, yes. And he said, there's nothing I can do now. If you're a law-abiding citizen and you're driving the car that you earned to and you bought the car and you're getting that type of harassment, you don't think it impacts your perspective on society? No, I think it does. And uh, this is Los Angeles in what time period? It was in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, you know, there. But, I, but I you think, just exceeded to me that uh, conceded yeah, to no, me that, I think, that this I think happens that to 17-year-old boy, uh, boys uh, in New York I mean, you could New call York me City. crazy, but I don't think you're saying that your friend turned into a criminal because he was pulled over. He seemed like he was really annoyed. I which think I, if I, I think if, I think if, if I, I think if that happened to me and I didn't have a nice car, but rather I just got stopped every time I, I, I walk out of my house or stopped, I don't know, once a month every time I'm out of my house, which is not then, hard then to you'd find. Then you start committing rapes? Like, I don't, I don't no, I would start having a far less uh, um, respect for society and a far less uh, 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 perspective on that. Yeah, I definitely think that. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, 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 rape, I've, but I, I understand you don't watch my, my uh, like you don't watch any of my videos or anything like that. But I correct. said repeatedly, I think the warning that's needs correct. to be brought back in terms of policing. <laughs> I think writing tickets for expired registration when you're in areas with elevated rates of shootings, all that does is piss people off and turn the community against you. So there's definitely better ways to implement policy to get the community on your side. Like I've been a huge advocate for consent searches, which is if, and this started in St. Louis in the nineties, which is if you're afraid that your kid is involved in a gang or might have a gun or might get shot, they have a high rate of youth homicides still high to this very day. Then you can call the police consent to a search They'll look for contraband, but they won't arrest your kid. I think that, and they'll send your kid to a diversion program before they get into a shooting and all that. So I think that is a good policy to build community relations with the police. Like the way that you're speaking is as if I don't believe in that, even though I think that's absolutely crucial to the police being effective. Okay. All right. Well, I think this was, uh, was, uh, productive, Sean. <laughs> <All right. laughs> wow.
I, I, I disagree. You're coming but... on. Um, it, uh, uh, I, are you are you happy? Oh, yeah, uh, thank the you. Debate, and I think it. Thank- uh, I I feel like uh, Sean was there to do what he always does, which is to get a whole bunch of good sound bites. Right? He got to say to Sam Cedar's face, "Oh, come on, buddy, you're still an actor." That's that's gonna play well. That'll that'll, that'll do great. You know. So will a lot of other moments. You just just got to cut them up now. Thank you for having the conversation. Listen, I know you want people that have been ducking you and all that. And uh, this is what prompted me to just ask for the conversation. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, you I didn't... say yes to just about everybody. Maybe too much. But yeah, I, and, I, you I... Didn't, <laughs> and you didn't have to do it. Like, I, a lot of people immediately presumed because I issued the challenge and, like, they didn't hear a, like, direct announcement on a billboard or something that, like, I was somehow entitled to it. I obviously not entitled to it. I thank you for your time. You've been quite gracious during the course of this conversation, even if there were parts where I felt like you were trying to get you get me on a gotcha. But thank you for your time. Well, I mean, uh, I, I was just ex- exploring. I don't know what you mean by a gotcha. <laughs> I've never seen any of the, the, the other stuff you've done. But, okay. Uh, I appreciate that. Actually, I got a question for you if we're going to do a gotcha. Sure You're thing. into criminal justice, right? Oh, uh, sure. Or to, you don't like the criminal part, actual justice, right? Yeah. You don't like the adjective beforehand. <laughs> what did you think when, when, uh, and, and I, I will concede, I did not see the, the, the whole Tim Pool interview uh, with you guys, with you and Emma. Did you think that she was a pedophile after that no. Uh, conversation? No. So do you did you see that when Tim accused her of being a pedophile from what was said in that conversation? I, I didn't see that specific clip, but I, I have heard about it. And if he said like she's a pedophile or whatever, then that's totally uncalled for and unprompted. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. That sounded mm-hmm. weird yeah. to me. But I, I appreciate I like, you you're saying I, that. I appreciated Tim having me on, but I don't like I'm not an employee of his or anything like that. Even though on the huh? later show I said I moved into his property. I did not see that, but uh have fun. Yeah, you were sitting there, a but great skate park. I, right, he does. <laughs> it's, it's a, I'm not a skateboarder, but it's a skateboarder's paradise, you know, presumably. And okay. Tim is a really good skater. He put out videos just to own you, Sam, if you saw them of him doing tricks. I, I, I've never skateboarded in my life. Me neither. It's not for me. I mean, uh, okay, all right. wait, so, so how's he owned by that? You know, like, all right, we'll just let that one slide. John, appreciate the call. Uh, you're coming on. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. These little dudes want friends so bad. Well, you have to also remember to a lot of these people, like, you know, if if you are on my side of the political aisle on the left, right, you're obviously going to see a lot of what they do. And like some people will be prone to be like, well, these people are directly, uh, you know, they're either fascist or enabling fascists when a lot of them, they just don't give a fuck. Right. Like, I don't think the quartering wakes up in the middle of the, 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 the morning and then suddenly or the afternoon or whenever he gets up and then suddenly thinks to himself, well, I really have to, you know, propagate a lot of uh, talking points, uh, you know, anti-trans rhetoric today uh, for the benefit of the rise of Christian fascism. And that's what my day is going to be. I think it's more just like I'm going to do a whole bunch of epic memes. I don't give two fucks about marginalized communities. And along the way, it's going to be really beneficial to fascists. And it goes across the board. Right. There's people like Nick Fuentes. He is a true believer. I genuinely believe that he wants to do a fucking authoritarian dictatorship uprising of far-right fascism in America and would like to see that take place and and that would be the ideal situation for him then there's other people who just love epic memes and think it's hilarious to like you know hey let's troll Sam Cedar or let's make a couple jokes at Sam's expense and then further you know the discourse a guy enabling fascists is still a fascist oh yeah don't get me wrong the useful idiots at the end of the day it, it all 
contributes towards the march. I'm just saying that like if people get into their into their head the idea that like there is in in a lot of these uh, spaces, especially with right wing punditry, if there is some kind of like collective goal. In some cases, yes, and then you know after watching these people for years and years and years, in some cases, um, they're just completely uh, useful to fascists and fascism uh, just along the way, and they just it's just the it's just the paycheck and the epic, epic memes, right? I farted. Not, not longer than I anticipated. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, how I long know. was that? Um, they apparently have been going on for an hour. Jesus Christ. So is there, uh, can I skip to a highlight? Is, is there like a, a really funny moment? I asked you, I, I reached out to you on Twitter and I asked you what you wanted to debate me on. And you said, my main issue is that I've seen you downplay the significant increase in crime in New York City and nationwide since 2020. The excusing of crime by blaming poverty uh, Emma did so in person. I do not have an example of you doing this offhand, so your position can be different. And then uh, individual <laughs> cases, Daniel Penny. So much assumptions, by the way. It's just so much like, yeah, I, I know you people. And the Jordan Neely case uh, and or uh, the Jordan Williams case. Um, so, uh, you know, we will we'll, we'll have a debate about that. But let's just uh, let me let you introduce yourself. Uh, you you call yourself the actor. 2000 to 2001. And what's significant about that is that's only 20%. And that includes 3000 people killed in New York City on a single day. So it's the largest year over year increase in American history. New York was actually ahead of that curve. They increased 47% year over year. And to get into the raw numbers for New York City, it went from about 312 homicides. We were in and around 300 and 300 murders in the city of New York per year to 489. I think that's a significant increase. I think the argument that it's not as bad as it ever has been is a terrible argument. And I that's wild, though, because, like, again, it sounds so much more dangerous when you can add things like 47% increase in crime, because the, the police love using that, especially around election time, too, right? Just to be able to be like, hey, demonstrably, crime is out of control. And it's like, oh, well, that's wild, because, like, you're the service that we fund directly to be able to lower those numbers. And so now you're saying that they're out of control, despite the fact that we increased your budget last year. How does how do, how do you square this? And it's like, oh, well, uh, the election's over. Okay, so crime's not actually as bad as you thought. It, it was it was percentage, right? So we said 47% increase. So we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, an increase of uh, 300 to 400 uh, homicides. And don't get me wrong, an increase of 100 homicides is terrible. It's frightening. Um, if you want to look at society, broadly speaking, and, and what is causing mass death or what is causing uh, mass theft, then shouldn't we look at what are the biggest problems? Like, what, what is the biggest cause of, of death in New York? What is the biggest cause of, uh, you know, violence? Uh, and, and where do we find the biggest losses of life? And then if we want to talk about theft, that's the reason why lefties oftentimes will bring up wage theft, because it's not discussed at all in mainstream media and it is the dominant form of theft in america but it's not a form of theft that people really seem to think of in the same way as they picture again a black or brown person breaking into a house breaking into a car and that's all that's really scary we have a native american looking guy and he's he's being followed around as he should be because who knows what he's about to do at any given time right when it's like we're not actually realistically looking at broadly speaking the way society operates and how to and how to improve it because like at the end of the day that that's the brass tax here like if you were to ask me lance why is it that you advocate for things like social democracy and those models or a nordic model or something like that it's like well if i just look at the raw numbers it seems to by ratio of the population have much better results in terms of a restorative justice program in which there's not direct consistent punitive measures being taken against all forms of criminality uh that we can have some forms of hey educational programs in place to be able to improve 
uh, recidivism rates, because that is obviously going to be really, really important. And, and at the end of the day, what has better results, broadly speaking, for society? And it would seem that robust social welfare systems do have better results. They do produce better outcomes. They do have lower levels of homelessness, lower levels of violent crime, lower levels of uh, poverty uh, associated with them. And, and these are good things, right? If you happen to be a right winger or a conservative, uh, you seem to care deeply about uh, essentially ghost babies, uh, people who aren't born yet. Uh, and that's the most the hyper focus. And then when it, when a person is born, when they exit the womb, at that point, all of a sudden, it's like, well, we don't want to have programs in store to help single mothers because that'll just promote people getting no jobs. And obviously, no one's going to work if they have any kind of like, you know, regular compensation or UBI or something like that, heaven forbid, because we need to have an incentivization system for people. And that's why when you get down to that, you're just like, well, what the fuck? None of this makes sense. It seems that you are going to be benefiting uh, the perpetuity of having human beings locked in cages and more and more human beings locked in cages and disproportionately yes this is going to fall down poverty lines and that poverty line is disproportionately going to fall along the lines of black and brown people who are not going to have the money to be able to post bail not going to have the money to be able to hire really high expensive lawyers that can get them out of these kind of problems i've heard a lot of people repeat this in response to what is a notable increase in crime okay so um i i, I will agree that if from in 2020 and in 2021, um, we saw increases in crime, uh, certainly year over year, without a doubt. Um, you're, you're, you're neglecting to say that those numbers are now going down. I mean, because when we talk about the most recent figures, really, those numbers are going down. So we had this, this peak of crime that was, yeah, it was, it was during pretty COVID. big. Um, like you say, in 2020 and in 2021, you um, measured it to uh, the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, yes. I also noticed that during 2020 and 2021, we had a... 993, according to the FBI statistics, 93% of the Black Lives Matter protests were peaceful. But again, for millions and millions of people in, in, in thousands of protests over the course of years in the United States, that's an incredibly high number of peace. You know, we do hyper-focus on the events where we did see targets burning down and then being looted, of course, and and, and uh, police stations being burnt and stuff like that. And that's where the, the cameras are going to be because that's where the action is, understandably. They, they want to hyper-focus on, uh, you know, making this look as dangerous and as, as violent as possible. Once-in-a-lifetime pandemic that sure. um, also created massive uh, unemployment. Pretty sure he broke down today how the numbers of crime and police university proportion. Oh, can you can you time code me that? I'll, I'll I'll play that to close this out. Massive spike in pedestrian deaths uh, that um, also uh, provided a massive spike in inflation. There were all sorts of phenomena that, and also massive spikes in deaths uh, around that are attributed to the pandemic. But from your perspective, the pandemic was not. This is not a function of the pandemic. This these spikes in crime. We're a function of the Black Lives Matter protests. Is that do well, I understand? It's really, you? It's, re it's really the after effect of the protests. But to be clear, well, crime okay, well, okay. has declined. The after, the after effect. The, we, we can we can talk about the decline. No, no, in but this is important because what you said is like it's misleading. So crime has declined since the increase in a lot of places from 2020 to 2021, but it's declined in comparison to the increase. Well, so New York, as an example, I love no, this it's not example. No, 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 no. no that's you're not misstating true. that. It is. I said it. It it decreased year over year at this point. Yeah, year over year, because you're talking about. You're not like you're discounting when the peak of crime in this country uh, or a decade ago or, 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 or two decades ago. And you're using a year over year increase. And I'm saying that we're now in 2023. And I think you, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't argue against this. We have experienced now a uh, a year over year. 
I mean, every single right winger should be advocating for higher minimum wages just across the board. There's so much working poor in the United States. And yes, there is a direct correlation when you look at the stats and the studies on this. And there is an overwhelming amount of uh, analysis into the correlation between crime and poverty that increasing the standards of living decreases a lot of things. Um, Poverty is a consequence of diverse and interrelated reasons, which combine the following groups, economic, unemployment, low wages, low productivity, lack of competitiveness in the industry, socio-medical, disability, old age, high levels of morbidity, demographics, parents, families, large number of dependents in the family, socioeconomic, low levels of social guarantees, educational qualifications, low level of education, lack of training, political, military conflicts, or forced migration, regional geographic, and even regions. According to experts, not getting decent wages for their work, young people gradually lose the desire to marry, have children, they're uh, full of fear for tomorrow, not exactly what that will bring, not to mention if we combine that with like a ever increasing job market where people are required to produce more and more that is a uh, a universal problem by the way this is we're hyper focusing on the entertainment industry right now because it's obviously very uh, much in the news but that's not the only industry where this happens and i've said this as my personal we'll take all the stats out of this and go to anecdotes for a second when i was entering the job market to join in the film industry yes i was in that weird cutoff where hey heaven forbid if you learned how to use something like final cut pro or avid express and that's it because you're going to get fucked because when you apply for your job what does it say on your resume can you do everything can you use the whole adobe suite can you do adobe photoshop after effects you name it uh or can you just edit because if he comes to the table and like, oh, I'm an editor, I'm a, I'm a professional editor, I'm trained in editing, here's my resume, and here's my, like, they'll be like, okay, well, there's 27 other people who are applying that can do it all. And so that way I don't need to hire, uh, you know, uh, both a, a thumbnail a developer, a graphic designer, a special effects editor. Uh, I can get one person who knows how to use the whole suite. So, yeah, I know you're a video editor by trade, but this person here is an everything man. And so now we're looking for, for that. We want people who can do it all and on demand. And suddenly you start to be asked for all these, like, you know, tasks that you may not have even been uh, originally applying to a job for. Combine that with the fact that we're like, we're perpetually supposed to work now. And, and like, it doesn't matter what sector that is. And talk to your friends who are in a variety of different things talk to teachers talk to everything the 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 phone the smartphone now is supposed to be able to go off at all times right it's like hey by the way is it reasonable for me at 8 p.m to make a request of someone and ask them and then ding 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 it pops up on their phone like everyone is perpetually perpetually supposed to be on on, on like every single job i know like no matter what field my friends are in and there is a diversity of jobs everyone is perpetually supposed to be always online or always always available or just like there's no shutting off and then like so many people are complaining now it's like hey by the way you don't have time to hang out with me we don't have time for a relationship or we don't have time to do anything you don't have time to see the kids you don't have time to spend the kids because your mind is in work mode all we don't shut off like the very idea of like hey are you gonna sit down and play a video game for an hour i'm gonna do so guiltily like i'm, I'm gonna sit there and in my head, I'm like, I can enjoy this because there's probably something I should be doing, right? I should probably go answer some emails. Those are piling up. I should probably go finish a couple accomplishments or tasks. I, I got to be grinding. Everyone's got to be grinding. We got to grind. We're in a grind culture. This is Sigma. Get fucking, get the Sigma grind set. A decrease both in New York and nationally in uh, like five out of seven measures of crime. I think in New York, the only crime that has really gone up is uh, car theft. I have a monstrous guilt if I play a game or even watch Netflix. And why is that though? Because like, why is that so universal too? Why why are we all sitting there not enjoying our lives, not not enjoying the things that used to make us happy? Like it used to used to bring me pleasure, the highest of pleasures. And I'm playing such a good game right now. Thor Ragnarok is is, is sort of God of War uh, Ragnarok. It's so good. It's such an amazing game. But if I clock like 40 minutes into it, all of a sudden I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh god, I've, I've, I I should have been doing something. And I, I get that for reading. That used to be one of my biggest pleasures. I got a pile of books I got to read. I got so much theory. I got to get through right now. And if I sit there and I'm reading, I'm like, ah, I could be working though. I could be, you know? Uh, but there's an active shooter in the Senate building right now? 
Do you have a link to that? I, homicides down. Uh, but down compared down, to what? Year over year. Yeah, but pre-2019, we're still up if you compare it oh, to Oh, yeah. The no, there's no doubt. In fact, we're also up in inflation. But also, inflation... Oh, wow, you're not lying. Well, no, there's a suspected one, first off. Uh, oh, you, you did say that's right. Please stay away from the areas as we are investigating. We will continue to communicate with the public here. U.S. Capitol Police have locked down and evacuated the Russell Senate office building after receiving reports of a possible active shooter. Uh, please stay away from the area we are investigating. We will continue to communicate with the public here. Uh, if you are inside the Senate building, everyone should be sheltered in place as we report of a possible active shooter. Uh, yeah, stay safe, everybody. If you happen to know anyone who may be in that area. ...is going down. So I'm also, just, I just 20, want to make sure that people understand sure, the dynamic. And also during 20, uh, 2020 and 2021, we had this huge spike in deaths from COVID. Sure. And that's also going down. We still have more deaths from COVID than we had in 2019. But we're talking about a trend in terms of it's going down. And the reason why this is important is because your argument seems to be, and, and I, want to, I want to get back to the cause of this spike, according to you. Your argument, as far as I, I can tell in what you just said was, because of the Black Lives Matter protests, we had police reforms. You would call them not reforms, but no, they're things. reforms. Okay, police reforms that created this spike. So that's just wild. Because first off, universally, no, there wasn't a massive defund the police. There was certainly a movement for defund the police, but it wasn't successful. And that's basically something that's been well understood on both sides. At this point, even the liberals and Obama were saying that, oh, well, I think it was the messaging at the end of the day. Yeah, y'all should have done better messaging. Um, whatever the case, that's not the direct cause. That's that, that's absurd. Because A, it didn't happen widespread. There are examples, isolated examples, where yes, there was, uh, you know, di different police uh, uh, departments that got uh, that either got lower funding or or uh, they tried out new uh, test programs, right? But overwhelmingly, no, universally, uh, funding for police continued to, to to grow. To measure whether A, this spike was a function of police reforms, we would have to believe those reforms have been reversed this year. For the things for the crime to go down. Now, I, I'm going to take issue with even the fact that there were police reforms that caused this. A study of budgets over 400 American cities over the last five years show that despite persistent claims by politicians, pundits, and police unions, there was no mass defunding of police. Police departments got the same average cut of the city budget in 2021 as they did in previous years. Defunding the police became a mainstream political topic in June of 2020 when nine members of the Minneapolis City Council announced their intentions to dismantle the city's police department with cardboard signs saying defund the police. George Floyd's murder by Minneapolis police officers set a nationwide wave of protests, which often are called cuts for law enforcement and budgets as a way to curb police violence. But far away from a reasonable policy debate, defunding the police quickly became a right-wing boogeyman as cities across the country reconsidered their police budgets and insufficiently pro-police politicians could be accused of wanting to defund. Black Lives Matter, Antifa and the burning precincts and looted targets would naturally follow. Right-wing publications, politicians and other outlets accused of defund movement of spurring the national crime wave, both directly and decimating police morale so much that it was effectively hiring. They defunded the police. What do they get? Rising crime, cops leaving the houses, difficulty recruiting, now they're waking up. 49% of the participants in a political morning council poll blamed police defunding for a rise in violent crime. America, 69%, not nice, believed the increase in police budgets would increase decrease, decrease crime a lot or some. The problem is that there was very little, if any, defunding of the police. Our analysis of over 400 American municipal budgets found that police departments in America got more or less the same amount of money in 2021 than they did in the previous three years. The budget cuts that did pass in a handful of cities were 
particular budget compared to the size of the total budgets. Now, if Sam had this like offhand or was able to like produce it, right, this would then directly refute actual Justice Warriors like claim because it's just factually inaccurate. And then based on his own logic, which I don't think is sound, so, you know, he would be able to, uh, you know, squirm out of it, though. But based on his own logic, then, if that never changed, then increasing or keeping or stabilizing police budgets does not result in a loss of crime. If anything, it results in an increase in crime. And I think correlation does not equal causation here, so you can't look towards that, so that would still be false. But if that's the case, I mean, it flies in the face of your own fucking assertion. But that's why it's important that we all understand Hey, Dark Native, good to see you. Everyone go check out his channel. And what's going on here in terms of crime? It went up in 2020. It went up in 2021. And now it is starting to go back down. It's still not at the level it was at 2019. And I concede that. But it is clearly going back down. You will concede that. Yes? Uh, well, yes, depending on the area, but also... Well, you nationally. Use, nationally. You would have to let's, use 2022 numbers in New York. because the 2023 numbers are incomplete. Well, yes. But at this point, six months in, seven months in, in New York, are they up or down? From yeah, last year, could, year over year. It could very well be true that they're down in comparison to the What do you mean? It could be increase. very well true. This is a hard number. These are actual hard. Do you want, well, do the NYPD puts out their data at the end of the year, and we're at the summer, and that's usually when the spikes come Sean, out. Sean, so... Sean, <laughs> Take it from June, just the six months. Right, do you really not know those numbers? You know those numbers. If I, mean, I, I have those numbers, June. you have those numbers. Come on. 2023, what crime am I looking at? <laughs> okay, this was good. This is entertaining. I like watching Sam in, in active mode. Look at the top seven crimes. I mean, I don't understand how you don't have these numbers. If I could find these numbers, this is not what I do. I don't talk about crime that often. Like you say, I downplay it as far according to you. And uh, the fact is, is that crime numbers are down. I mean, it, it, people can Google this. Uh, look, here's, here's a story from Patch. Nearly every major crime in New York City drops sharply. New stats show. This is from the Comstat. Yes, there's a decrease oh, in 2023. And in homicides are down 3% from June 2023 to last year, June 2023. Um, shootings like, in New York dropped about 25%. If you tell me what you're looking for, okay. I can go find it. Okay, well, I'll read it. I have it here. New York Times. Uh, shootings in New York City dropped. This is July 6th. So this, this, is, this data is, uh, you know, three weeks old. Uh, shootings in New York City dropped by 25% through the first half of this year compared with the same period last year, extending mm -hmm. a downward trend after a spike in violent crime during the, the pandemic. Um, what else do we have? Murders, rapes, burglary, burglaries decreased by about 10% each. Robberies fell nearly 5%, but car thefts increased, like I said, by almost, well, it's 18%, but nearly 20%. Felony assaults by 6%. Don't, I can't tell whether that's class D or class B. Transit crimes uh, have fallen nearly 4% uh, this year. Um, I mean, you know this stuff. So I, I just want to be clear what we're talking about the, the effects. Yes, we, we have a slight decrease after a dramatic increase. That is right. true. Okay, exactly. Like the overall crime index appears to be down total. Okay. I think it says 3 point something okay. percent. But major okay. crimes, obviously, greater disparities. Right. Okay. So now, since we've, and, and we should say, this is a nationwide trend. It's not just New York City. True. But the homicide spike was ahead of the nationwide curve in the city of New York. And we can right. not, we can talk about other cities. Like Philadelphia is a good example. They're actually at their peak homicide rate all time. So there it actually is worse than the 1990s. Okay. And, uh, but also, again, going down. Um, but with that said, let's talk.
Central Florida is a hotspot for leprosy. Oh my word. <laughs> oh, we need to bring back Jesus. Talk about now your theory that there were all sorts of, well, that there, let's start with just, there were reforms uh, after, um, after uh, the, the 2020, because your argument is it has nothing to do with the pandemic, right? Not nothing. I'm sure it's a factor, but what level? How big of a factor would you say? Because you clearly think that the primary factor is the George Floyd protests. Yes, the the George Floyd effect would be a better a better phrase for it. Yes, malaria too. The George Floyd effect. How much? Just give me a sense of the George um, Floyd effect uh, of like how you would break it down. Fifty percent George Floyd effect and fifty percent pandemic. No, right? It's more. Uh, I would say a a good portion. I don't know if it's specifically like 50% if there's a hard number, but if you want to say, I don't know, 50. What are the chances they're going to use leprosy for the second coming proof? Maybe. Yeah. I'm not going to put it past them at this point. Anything is possible. I could definitely see them. Ah, yes. The increase in leprosy is just a good sign that the good Lord is returning. Yep. We're going to have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit inside us. 60 to 60%. I think that's totally fine because there were some reforms that were instituted prior that combined with reforms afterwards probably made individual areas worse. Okay, so uh, all right. So what what reforms are you talking about? So in New York City, we had raised the age, which was actually passed before, prior to George Floyd, and year over year, we actually saw and raised the age. If you don't know, actually makes it more difficult to prosecute youthful offenders in the city of New York. When was and- that uh, instituted? I believe it was passed in 2017. It could have been passed in 2018. I'm not exactly sure. No, wait a second. And when was it instituted? I guess is really what I meant. I believe it was, I believe it was instituted in 2018. So, but, but your whole argument is, I mean, you pegged it literally to the month. Yeah, for shootings, for sure. If you want to talk about what caused the increase in shootings, in my opinion, removing the anti- I'm just going by what you said. And when you said there was this big spike in crime in 2020, you said it was because of the George Floyd If you listened, I just said that there were some reforms that were passed prior to and combined with new reforms, I think created additional problems. So you think that the the kid, the the age thing had like a delayed effect, like a- No, no, no. So raise the age made it more difficult to prosecute youthful offenders. Now we had bail reform, which actually came into law in 2020, which made it more difficult to hold people on certain charges, including gun possession. When combined with raise the age, that led to a spike of youthful offenders carrying guns. However, this didn't really come to fruition until Bill de Blasio got rid of the anti-crime unit, which was the unit designed. Even the plague is in Florida. So what is it? Leprosy, the plague, malaria. Person in Florida dies after brain eating an amoeba infection, possibly due to sinus rinse with tap water. (laughs) So there is something in the water after all. Specifically to target illegal guns. So it's a confluence of factors that led to an increase in youth shootings and youth homicides in the city of New York. What now? How did those? Um, I'm just going to stipulate for the just the moment that that's why we saw this spike in New York. How did those reforms in New York implicate the spikes that we saw nationwide? Because we really did see spikes nationwide, sure. didn't we? So there are different reforms that we can we can go to that are passed in different individual areas. So but the way- every reform that was passed around and this all these reforms went when right at the George Floyd 
well, protests. Well, we were talking about New York, but there are different reforms that were passed nationwide. Some well, areas. You're talking about causality, and I'm asking yes. you. We know that crime went up nationwide, and you say it was in June of 2020. Uh, that's well, when I it said went shooting up. spike specifically in June, July of 2020 when they got rid of the anti-crime unit in the city of New York. Okay, no, no, but at the beginning of this entire debate, I mean, if you, so, you for said, nationwide, one of the biggest factors I think driving crime across the nation would be the decrease in the police force. So we had a lot of officers retire early. This is something that we're seeing across the country. The NYPD is seeing it. The LAPD is seeing it. Rural departments in middle America are seeing it and a decrease in recruitment because they're not pulling the numbers that they actually want to see. So I think nationwide, if you're talking about a blanket thing that happened, you should hold him to the fact that he said it was defunded, that it was defunding the police that resulted in this. That led to an increase in crime. Now he's trying to add other parts, right? That there was a massive uh, loss of police force workers because of shaming then I think the decrease in the overall police force is definitely a factor. Okay, so I, I okay, I just want to. I'm trying to like zero in on this because I worry about Sean's career. Pretty soon, if I want to see Gollum suck up a cop, I'll be able to use AI. That's true. AI will will replace this. You said at the beginning of this debate that you peg the spike in crime as a yes. the George Floyd effect. Yes, and it was the George Floyd effect in your mind that caused yeah. the decrease in staffing, uh, uh, police staffing. And that's why crime went up in the, in the nation. In New York, it was part, partially the staffing and then partially these other reforms that some of which were two years earlier and had a delayed impact. Yes, yeah, some of these reforms, well, it's not a delayed impact combined with other reforms. It's now, like, let it's me like, ask it's you this. Like breaking a, it's like breaking down a house. There are certain support beams that you could take you can knock them down and the house will still stand. The structure will still stand. But if you knock down enough of them, they'll fall. And New York okay. specifically, I was talking about the difference that I see between the national crime increase and New York specifically. Okay. So, yes, there would be so, additional factors there. So you're you, and, and, and really what we're talking about is causality here, right? Because my argument is that the pandemic led to a spike in crime. Largely, there may be other uh, factors. Uh, but but I would say overwhelming the the overwhelming factor in the spike that, that led to the spike of crime was the pandemic. You would. Argue yeah. And that, that's something that's not even uh, an exclusively like far left thinking or talking point. This is something that most people who analyze this has have conclusively agreed. Yeah. The, the increase in people uh, spending, uh, you know, large amounts of time in uh, confined areas, uh, especially if there was already a history of domestic violence or people who were engaged in, uh, you know, abusive relationships uh, that did spike. And there was a increase in that. Yes. By people being locked up for large periods of time argue it was these police reforms particularly in terms of staffing nationwide well the staffing was I'm just officers from retiring bloomberg for fear okay okay riots. bloomberg uh, uh from bloomberg this is uh this is a report from uh january 31st of this year okay bloomberg news analysis shows that even as staffing levels dropped during the pandemic nationally police department headcounts exceeded those of 15 years ago when crime was higher okay now how can you say that the causality runs that as you drop the staffing levels, um, it, it, things spike when, in fact, you're, you're still at uh, levels that are higher than they were 15 years ago? In major city, cities, staffing levels rose and fell over that period with some changes corresponding to economic downturns and local crises, which you'd imagine. Uh, but between 2011 and 2019, police staffing levels in more than half of the 20 largest cities grew 
according to FBI data and across the country. So if we're to use your standard of like, don't compare crime rates today to the way that they were when crime was really high in the country, then why are you doing that with staffing levels? Well, you can compare it to the peak if you want, but if we're talking about a recent crime spike, I don't think that's useful. On top of that, you just read, maybe you didn't realize it, that that officers went up between 2011 and 2019. This would be before the pandemic, and crime was dropping nationwide during that period of time. Then we see an officer shortfall, and to be clear, what we're experiencing now we're is still a lot staff. Of, we still have more. Sure, but, uh, we still have okay, more. Not, not police all than officers are equal. If you look at who's retired. <laughs> Not all officers are equal. There's so much goalposts in this. It's like, uh, yes, defunding the police is what caused this. And it's like, actually, the, no one really defunded. If you look at over 400 municipalities, the police budget stayed the same. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, but uh, less officers, obviously, by virtue of the fact that they were being shamed to come in. It's like, well, the, the number of officers and staffing actually remained the same, if not higher. It's like, well, yes, but not all officers are created equal. See, because there's like there's there's super cops and then there's cops. And then we have to acknowledge the fact that like we're losing the super cops. OK, that's that's what's causing the majority of this crime that and obviously, you know, black people are criminals. That's that's what I have come to understand based on the data I have made up in my own head. Bring It's disproportionately older seasoned investigators, and they are not so easily replaced by new recruiting classes. And I've gone over this specifically in the LAPD, exactly who they're losing. And they've lost between <laughs> six and eight percent of their police force. Now, I believe it's six net eight total and most of those are seasoned investigators and so okay so it, the, the reason why so that's why we're not solving crimes is that what you're saying it's not preventing crime investigators don't prevent crime right they solve crimes i mean they're not only investigators a lot of times either i'm sorry i'm just going by what unit. you said you said investigators and that's why yeah, the crime a lot of them are seasoned said, investigators or seasoned investigators okay i'm just I'm sad that Anna's becoming friends with it. Like, I don't think they're becoming friends. I think she's obviously promoting people like Adam Sitch as well as actual Justice Warrior who are defending her, whereas there's no lefties standing on the side of the whole turf arc or the whole kind of like, why are you like misconstruing what other colleagues are actually saying and, and going after them. But in terms of like, you know, the the tough on crime crowd, well then, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of these individuals, right-wingers and, and race realists, like actual justice warrior, uh, and then, you know, center-right uh, libertarians or liberals, whatever you want to call Adam Sitch, they're obviously going to be on the side of, yes, we need to obviously crack down crime. Crime is real. Uh, all of these lefties have lost their minds. And I think the solution to crime is just going to be abolishing jails and prisons and then getting rid of the police and then suddenly crime is just going to stop uh, they'll be the first ones i'll tell you all those bourgeois lefties to call the police instantaneously um when it comes down to it i think realistic people who have like worked firsthand especially if you volunteered in you know uh insight or worked with addicts or worked with people who are homeless uh and seen you know different forms of desperation or, or what's going on there no one who's either volunteered or been around that is going to sugarcoat how bad things can be and, and how horrible things can be. The The thing is, you still need to, if you want to have a conversation with this broadly, take out the anecdotes, take out the like, uh, well, this makes me feel bad or this aspect of it is, is, is and, and look at the actual data. And when we get down to the data itself... If we're talking about the United States, we're talking about a carceral state. We're, we're talking about, you know, a combination of for-profit prisons as well as a drug war that's being fought effectively along racial lines um, has resulted in, yes, mass incarceration of more people than has ever been done in human history. Uh, what is it? 5% of the world's population is in the U.S. and 25% of the world's prisoners. 1% uh, of the United States population is in bars. If these produced better results, if locking up more human beings will result in a safer, uh, less criminalized, 
westernized society, then the United States would be the shining beacon of the world. If more guns made you safer, more guns per capita, if more gun ownership, if more citizens owned firearms and more violent and more effective firearms made you safer, then again, the United States would be a shining beacon to the world. It's not as if the US just started a couple of years ago, right? This experiment has been going on for a while. The same thing can be said for other countries that don't have this, that where you do not see these mass amounts of, uh, you know, violent uh, gun violence per capita uh, by ratio of the population that you do in the United States, even somewhere as close as Canada, where it's just like this imaginary line where all of a sudden you're in one uh, area considered a state and then you're in a province and then all of a sudden a lot of these things plummet you know uh why is that like look, look towards the why is that change why why is insulin cheaper when you cross the imaginary line in, into canada you know uh why is uh access to healthcare uh more readily accessible once you once you pass the imaginary line into Canada. Why is uh gun violence and 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 death by uh homicide as a result of uh, firearms much lower per capita by ratio of the population once you cross that imaginary line into Canada? What's the difference between these two, right? Because like in a lot of ways, as much as they like to act like they're different, Canadians and Americans are so different. No, they're, they're they're very very similar people. It's these two, uh, you know, ongoing colonization projects filled with a melting pot of combination of people. Uh, you know, the the, the first wave of immigrants uh, who oppressed indigenous people, and then all the other waves that are trying to get in, and then the you know people who already uh, enjoy the bounty of the land and don't want those immigrants to come in and and take their jobs, but. Why is that? Why, why, when you cross this imaginary line, does so many factors change? And I'm not saying this to flex. I'm saying, again, I, I want that stuff for Americans. I want Americans to have uh, no out-of-pocket point of fucking uh, entering a hospital, having to pay, uh, and determine whether or not they're going to bankrupt themselves or if they're going to have money to feed their family. Like, th that, that sounds like it's going to create, and it seems to play out in the numbers, worse conditions and worse conditions do lead to things like crime and violence and, and again having a very large percentage of the population worried about where their next paycheck is going to come from that also plays into this like I, I want americans to be healthier i want them to have better access to education better access to uh health care uh, because it'll make them a lot less prone to anger violence and potential civil unrest understand you know this stuff better than i do i'm just trying to understand your logic you say seasoned investigators is why crime went yeah, up because they're one better. example. And and I, as far I know as you I like know, to harp on like an individual term and all that because you think, oh, I'm going to get them pinned. But I'm speaking no. very clearly. I think everybody can understand that I'm doing that. But you're just playing dumb. No, I'm not playing dumb. You say you seasoned investigators, are. and I say, well, wait a second. They don't prevent crime. They Without including psychology, anthropology, economics, yeah, of course. I think it is reductive, and it, like you know, I'm guilty, and lefties are too, of sometimes just directly going to, well, yes, but crime is, uh, you know, a, a, a demonstrable correlation in uh, poverty. Sorry, is a demonstrable correlation in some respects to uh, an increase in crime, right? And there's there's a lot of studies on this. It's it's obviously incredibly complex, and it's not just one simple thing. Um, but you get that on the other end to an almost asinine degree where, where this idea is we need more cops because if you get more cops, there will be less crime. You need more police, more police uh, looking after criminals. And then you're like, well, these police seem to disproportionately over-police certain sections based on racial lines. Why, why is that? It's like, well, because those are the people who commit more crimes, so they deserve more cops. I was like, well, the more interactions you have with police, especially if we're talking about what, what is the crime of, say, personal possession or drug use, something like that, something that we can look at. White people, 
black people, they both use drugs at about the same rate. And granted, based on socioeconomic lines, you may be using a vastly different series of drugs and just look at cocaine versus crack, for example. But regardless of all that, why is it that you will see much higher percentages of black people who are uh, in jail for nonviolent drug offenses, uh, in jail for, uh, you know, uh, simple possession and, and stuff like that? The more interactions you have with police and uh, the more um, racial dynamics play into how police perceive potential threats, danger, and criminality will obviously increase the amount that you're going to see black people both getting arrested and then having to go through the criminal justice system. And do they have the money at that point to be able to afford lawyers or to post bail? How many of them, and we've talked about Rikers numerous times, right? How many people in Rikers Island are waiting to have their day, their day of justice? They're all innocent until, uh, you know, proven guilty. Guilty, and yet they're spending time in cages, in some cases uh, in torturous conditions, awaiting their day to, to, to be able to even uh, stay or say in court why they're innocent. It's, it's, it's like it's so profoundly fucked. Um, and POV, like just take a big step back because, again, I, I think prison abolitionists, they get shit on so much. They get shit on by progressives, liberals, and the right uh, as being these fucking fairy tale, uh, you know, you just want to, you know, you, you think that, like, criminals uh, are, are going to be completely fine if we just let them all out. You think the rapists should run free? Uh, and the answer is no. It's about what outcomes do you want? Like, do you want more people in jail or less people in jail? The answer is less people in jail. Then how do we go about achieving that? And then how do we also go about having a system for when people are in jail that they won't reoffend? What What goes to Does penalizing them, torturing them, caging them, and then putting them into solitary confinement and or situations where they experience lots of violence, sexual violence as well, is that going to produce more people who then when they return to society are going to be high-functioning members of it? Or is it going to give them things like PTSD? Uh, if someone is sexually assaulted, is that going to contribute towards them being able to operate in a normal function at, in a job environment? Uh, if they are in a position where they haven't had any formal training, where they don't have any education, uh, where they already have a history of uh, you know untreated uh, mental illness or something like that, then what are the results going to be? Why is it that there is such a high percentage of people who are in American jails who also have some form of neurodivergence or some form of that uh, they have an unchecked medical condition that they haven't been seen to like all these things play into it it's such a uh, a complex issue that yes requires people to not simply look at in one direction but when you take the other side and you ignore so many of those things when you just outright say the problem isn't poverty the problem is not enough cops that's it because if I look at the numbers and I really start to like play with them in my own brain and twist some aspects of it and, and talk about how, you know, we have to talk about how there's super cops and less uh, qualified cops and that there's a difference in their ability to stop this stuff. But deep down when you get to it, uh, more cops equals less crime. More people in jail equals less people that are going to go to jail. Well, the opposite is true to that, right? Solve crimes. Is that, am I wrong? It would also be supervisor positions and all that. Yes. So it'd be very like savvy seasoned officers and investigators. And so if you need that reforms, specifically clarified, what reforms, I, I what reforms were a function of the. Oh, yeah. And that, that's the, the other big thing is that under the current system, the rapists are already getting away with it. Like when, when you hear like someone tells a prison abolitionist, so you're thinking that you should just allow rapists to rape and run free. It's like for the large part right now, it seems like that is the current case where there's a huge amount, a backlog of rape kits that aren't even being investigated, not to mention 
there's there's stories like in the United sorry in the United Kingdom what is it 99 of 100 uh rape uh, accusations ever go to trial uh like 1% one of nine, of 100 go to to an actual conviction that's terrible that 99% of them are not getting to a conviction that like well then yeah the, the rapists are getting away with it in the current system George Floyd protests that got seasoned investigators to retire. Well, it's not a specific reform, but the effect of driving these officers into retirement is undeniable. Just look at the numbers since the George Floyd riots. Well, uh, it's also COVID, right? No. They're a lot of retiring. people retired across. I mean, a they're lot still, of people. They're still retiring at similar rates. You think they're all afraid of COVID? Well, the, the George. Uh... As a Brit bongers, 1% end up in court and even less get convicted. Like that, that is um, a massive and monstrous uh, tragedy that uh, that we've let things get to this point. And, and if that's not a wake-up call, if that's not, well, something's wrong, something needs to be improved. We need to be able to have a system in which uh, women not only feel comfortable coming forward with their sexual assault, and men as well, by the way, we have to also address the fact that a very large amount of young boys don't even end up explaining or talking about their sexual assault because they're going to be seen as less of a man or an F-slur or, or you were asking for it or one of the many things, or if it's a woman doing it to a young boy, then it's not actually child abuse, it's not rape, these are dream, like all this up shit like yeah th that that is showing a, a massive problem with how we're operating something is fundamentally wrong if we are seeing stats like that like stats it's, it's not even like well you know they're pretty close it's, it's like 40 60 it's like 50 50 you know 50 percent of them uh will uh find or, or get to a conviction it's like 99 percent of them 99 percent that that's fucking that's abhorrent it's Floyd, uh, uh, protests ended two Yeah, the, there's years still ago. effects of that protest, change in attitude effects? and sentiment in the country, yes. Oh, I see. The, it's, so it's the sentiment. Yeah, that has an impact for sure. Officer morale is very important. And so their morale is down because of the George Floyd protests? Yeah, because of the George Floyd protests. People are very anti-police officers. A lot of them had their funding cut. I'm sorry, what? So if the morale is down, the, sorry, down, they're suddenly going to perform worse. People are pointing out that, hey, by the way, uh, there is a very big problem with uh, the racism that is present in policing. Uh, that there seems to be a very, very disproportionate amount of violence committed towards black people in America by police. And it seems like if you are black in America, you have a higher chance of getting shot and killed by the police. If bringing that to light is suddenly like, oh, well... I don't know if I can do this job anymore. Maybe that's a sign of something. Maybe maybe that should go to show you that what they're doing could be something fundamentally that they have conflict with. If it's a lot true. of officers left when the funding was cut, and they're not so easily replaced oh, by a restoration. So and funding. your argument is that uh, funding has been cut. Is that it? Yeah, funding was cut in certain places. Yes. I've got a story here from ABC Seven New York. It says funding uh, was restored. Yes. Despite defunding claims, police funding has increased in many cities, and this was in October of last year. Yeah. So what do you think that increase is attributed to? What do I think it's attributed to? Yeah, why, why do you think funding increased when they initially reduced budgets? ABC-owned television stations examined the budgets of more than 100 cities and counties and found 83% are spending at least 2% more on police in 2022 than they did in 2019. <laughs> okay, good. good. I'm, I'm glad you can bring that up because, like, the numbers speak for themselves. But... The question will be, are they spending it on the super cops or are they all on the old retirees and their pensions and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so what ended up happening was post the pandemic. Oh, I love that. Yeah.
<laughs> post the George Floyd riots, you had a defund the police movement and cuts were made to budgets. Like, for example, the LAPD. Now, their budget was cut. A bunch of officers left the force. Like I said, net 6%, possibly 8%. Again, the numbers update monthly. And then you have officers to supplement for that working overtime. And now you're less productive when you're working overtime. But if you look at the LAPD's budget, it says defunding, and there's stories about this, how defunding the police actually led to an increase in payout. So uh, I, I can't predict what Sam's going to do here, but you have to hold him to all of this, right? You can't start like letting him try to carve out little parts that make it more functional for his argument. Because Sam didn't just say the LA police. He's like, well, let's, in his, it looked at over 100 precincts, right? Uh, at the one that we pulled up, that was a study of 400 precincts, which showed that no, there was not a defunding of the police. They either remained the same or increased. And in both those cases, it seems overwhelmingly that yes, defund, the defund part never happened. So I, you got to continue to do all this pretzeling, right? Keep twisting in different ways to be like, well, yeah, but you have to understand that some people left and then some people came in and because they had to pay overtime, overtime technically more expensive. It's like, did it or did it not happen? Did, was there this massive defund the police movement that actually defunded all of the fucking police stations across the United States? And if that happened, then was that the result in why crime spiked? Or did crime in certain sections spike specifically, especially like, you know, domestic abuse and violent crimes like that, because people were locked inside uh, at home because of a pandemic? Of overtime. So you still have less officers working, and now they're working more hours. So more you're actually getting poor. Investigators, you're you're right? also getting poor results. Well, again, it's also driving down recruitment. So yes, less officers, less overall staff at the, the at worst cops. Places. That's it. So yeah, yeah. They might again, that's all goalposting, right? It's like, hey, by the way, my 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 axiom that I'm grounding here, debate bros. All right, is 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 that they defunded the police and that resulted in more crime? It's like that never happened. The, looking at the. Not all the numbers here. They they never defunded the police. Okay, well, yeah, they, they didn't defund the police. It looks like they increased the police budget in some places. Yeah, so what happened there is that there's there's older cops and there's retirees, and then there's the people who have to work overtime. So obviously, you know, when you're when you're working overtime, you're not as good. And then the retirees aren't just as good a cops, they're not the super cops. So that's that's basically what happened. Basically the same thing as I said before. It's it still stands. Kind of, and, and again, some places cut the funding, and then in 2022, notice how you skipped over 2020 and 2021. No, when, I just you know, read Because those are the years that you are using as an example. You set this up. You can't be like, okay, so uh, I just want to say how violent crime did spike in the specific instance, and no lefty's willing to talk about it. Oh, okay, I'm totally willing to talk about this. Yes, uh, it turns out it's not as a result of defunding the police. That's, there's, like, the data does not show that. Oh, well, yeah, of course, you would do that. You would only talk about 2000 to 2021. <laughs> motherfucker what are we doing here this is your buddy like <laughs> you set up the guide but that doesn't bring people down that doesn't bring people out of retirement no no you said 20 this this current fiscal year compared to 2019 there was yeah. a funding reduction in a lot of places in 20 in 2021 right then the restoration now... of funding and an increase in funding in a response to an increase in crime but that well, does not make officers materialize I understand. No, I understand. And that your, happened at the same time is, as the George Floyd. There's, there's definitely something George to that. that okay. uh, sta uh, staffing levels uh, dropped, and so we made up for it on overtime. Again, I, I go back to that Bloomberg report. The staffing levels are still significantly higher uh, than they were um, uh, 15 years ago. Okay. And there was even... <laughs> he did the same thing when I debated him. Because, I like... It's again, like Sam, it's not my 100% forte. I don't often talk about crime, crime statistics and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm going to come to the table with a fuck ton of data because I don't know all of this kind of stuff. It's like not my wheelhouse. It's your wheelhouse. It's the thing that you purport to know so much about. But hey, here's the data on the subject that we're talking about. And then the same kind of response. Okay. 
okay, so, so you're wrong. No, no, it just doesn't show what you think it shows. There, there's other things we need to talk about. And uh, uh, more crime at that time. Um, yeah, there was. And we have 80% of the city's largest increase their funding. Uh, yeah, Rohak, someone else said that. And I was like, can you uh, time code me? I'll play that. I'll play that clip. Every, everyone keeps talking about the some more news. There's a great new thing about statistics with actual data. I, I will gladly play it. And like you say, that I guess is uh, a, a function of, uh, of overtime. Cops still on the beat, but you say that they're not as good. At, well, I mean, uh, you, solving you know, crimes. you cover you cover a lot of workers' issues when you actually have mandatory overtime and people are for, forced to work more and more hours. It's not productive. Well, like I you, mean, you would right, but so what is it? Is, is it they're being defunded because that turned out not to be true and that that was just false? And then it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, they're not being defunded per se. It's is that the working conditions for the cops aren't as great as they should be. You would what say the, the same figures, thing if we talked about it in an elder labor context, what are, correct? What are historical figures of police uh, solving crimes? Solving, you're going to have to define that metric. Uh, clearance rate. So clearance rate, it depends on the crime. Homicide is typically higher in terms of clearance rate because it's easier to solve. Most people are murdered. That's you, Tahu. Thank you. Dix, by spin, dicks, pan, spin, dicks, pride, spin, dicks, trans, spin, dicks, lesbian, spin, cozy, woke, actor, stank, cozy, woke, actor, stank, cozy, woke, actor, stank, cozy. Hell yeah. By somebody that they know, there's a dead body. You don't have to worry about a lot what of What are those rates? Um, I'm I'm not sure nationwide. I want to say maybe it's sixty to seventy percent for homicide nationwide, but it varies greatly depending on the city. And have those dropped? Clearance or... rates in certain areas for sure. Nationwide, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I do believe that. And is what the about case. the other uh, violent crimes that we're talking about? Ones that don't involve people that we know. Uh, give me an example. Well, um, uh, assaults. What's the investigation? Assaults or... would be assaults would be lower, for sure. I'm, I'm just curious historically. I mean, if your argument is that the, the cops are less productive, I'm just curious is like, can we see that in num actual numbers? I mean, I can look up real quick the drop in clearance rate nationwide. I know that it is significant in certain places oh, thanks like for Baltimore, but uh, I don't have those specific. All right, let's just quickly watch because I mean, I'm not gonna play the whole some more news, but if this is the exact topic of the new some more news, that's awesome timing. Interior, studio, Cody, muscular but grizzled, sits mm. in a to obscure his lack of pants. We will now journey through the recent history of police in America, the narrative of defunding and lawlessness, and perhaps what has actually happened in the years until today. And to see how this narrative developed, we have to go back in time at least 30 years. Actually defund the police, did cops quit in droves? What reforms were enacted? Googling what cops have really been up to. Cops are still aligned with white supremacists. Police are still killing people a whole lot. Cops are desperate to avoid scrutiny. Police reacted to criticism by throwing a hissy fit. Cop city and the militarization of police. Perhaps defunding works and works and is popular. For a second night, demonstrations broke out over the death of George Floyd. And again, there was violence. Amid the chaos, one man was shot dead. This afternoon, the National Guard was activated to respond to the unrest. We've just had to run about a block as police moved in. We've been uh, fired at with rubber bullets. My cameraman has been hit. Uh, we've also seen tear gas being used. Here we go, they're moving through again. This is exactly what it looks like. Exactly what it looks like. Sorry, I meant 30 today years, where every year feels like a decade. Remember those days? Remember summer of 2020? 
My goodness, Trump hadn't even had COVID yet. But months before what would become known as the one fun day, there were a whole lot of not so fun days. In May 2020, the nation was stunned by footage depicting a Minneapolis police officer kneeling on the neck of George Floyd for nearly 10 minutes, ultimately killing him. This resulted in a months long protest movement, arguably the largest in US history, with demands to rethink policing entirely. Specifically, there were conversations around what police are there for, what amount of physical force they should be allowed to use, and how policing could be changed to stop them from terrorizing communities and leaving people, disproportionately black and Latino people, dead. Policy proposals to reallocate funding from police departments back to community services were grouped under the banner defund the police. And advocates made a pretty compelling argument. Police are unquestionably biased against black people regardless of the race of the officers themselves. And cities spend an absurd amount of money on police. A collective $100 billion a year and $80 billion more on incarceration. Research has shown that crime in a community is largely a product of poverty and that adding more cops doesn't really do anything to reduce it. In fact, the best way to reduce crime, research suggests, is giving people health care, access to drug treatment facilities, education, and after-school programs. You know, basic standard. See, that's what I've been saying for a long time. Nice to know that it's backed by the data on, on this one. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where, again, uh, you don't have to come at this from uh, like a leftist empathetic standpoint or an anti-capitalist standpoint or any of that kind of stuff. It's it's like or a humane standpoint where it's like, hey, doing the right thing is is what we should do because we're good people and we got the empathy goo, right? Uh, it, it's like, well, but it actually produces what you want because if you want less crime, less violent crime, less people robbing, stealing, breaking into houses, breaking into cars, less people assaulting people on subways or trains or in real life, the the answer is is not Batman. Unfortunately, it's it's not like it's not like everyone should become a Batman. And then if we just have the streets filled with Batman, uh, we can get rid of the crime because, hey, who would ever commit crime? So many Batman around, you know, and, and maybe even a little Chico or two. Chico, what do you have to say about that? He does not care. Of living type stuff. Now, we could just give people these things anyway, independent of police budgets, given the fact that money is fake and we made it up according to our nation's 45th president, Donald Donald Trump. Great point, Comrade Trump. But if we are <laughs> pretending that there's a finite amount of money to spend on stuff, the idea was to take some of that ridiculous amount of money Our away times from to create the police Batman. and put it toward the things which we know actually reduce crime. Seems like a neat idea. Unfortunately, Me. defund the police became a controversial slogan, though the policies the movement espoused were always far more popular than the phrase itself. Kind of how universal health care varies in popularity depending on what you call it, or how there's widespread support for reducing government spending, but nobody actually wants to cut anything specific. Or how when I call massages buddy rubbies, nobody seems to want one, but... Mm. This is America. All right? We one. contain multitudes, multitudes of toxic chemicals and microplastics, but multitudes nonetheless. So back in 2020, you heard some officials essentially advocating for defunding the police, even if they didn't use that phrasing. City council members met with activists from Black Lives Matter to discuss reassessing police budgets and some prominent U.S. mayors committed to the concept. And so I have instructed and committed to in public to that group that our city, through our city administrative officer, identify $250 million in cuts so we could invest in jobs, in health, in education, and in healing. Healing. Just like my buddy Rubbies. And yet- This guy hates America more than I do. I think he loves Americans. You know, the very concept of nation states, probably not, and the governments they're in, but uh, he, he wants to help Americans. He, he wants his, his fellow countrymen to be able to have access to healthcare, education, housing, food, that, that kind of stuff. You know, hippie stuff. 
still no takers. That's Eric Garcetti, Los Angeles' Nepo baby mayor in 2020, basically the Kendall Roy of running a city. Hey, Jimmy Sombrero, thanks for gifting a tier two subscription. Jimmy Sombrero gave Hero underscore one a tier two subscription. Saying Thank that you. LA would slash $250 million from the LAPD's budget. And to be fair, the city did, at first, slash the police budget by $150 million, which you might notice is $100 million less than Garcetti said, and but this is what actual Justice Warrior was talking about. Let's Only 8% of the total LAPD budget. But still, an attempt to make good on a promise to reallocate police funds to city services. Except what happened next played out in a similar fashion around the country. The LAPD requested a budget increase that November, and Garcetti responded by increasing their budget. Incidentally, on the same goddamn day, Derek Chauvin was found guilty in Minneapolis of murdering George Floyd. Those two events aren't technically connected, but you know, they also kind of extremely are. Then, in 2021, the police commission again asked for a 12% increase in funding for cops, which Garcetti gave them most of. And so in just two years, Los Angeles went from defunding the police a teeny tiny bitty bit to giving the department its teeny tiny highest budget ever. But oh. don't worry, that mayor f***ed off to barely become Joe Biden's ambassador to India, and he was replaced by Democratic Congresswoman Karen Bass. So maybe maybe more of a Connor Roy with the, the ambassador thing. He's one of the Roys, okay? We know that. Anyway. Bass's campaign was supported by Bernie Sanders. So, you know, there's no way she wants me to keep reading. Yeah, oops, okay, so it says here she would further increase the police budget despite crime going down while pledging to hire 400 more cops. And this is the real story of the last three years around the United States. Local officials planned to reallocate money from police departments before immediately backtracking once protesters weren't screaming outside their offices and homes anymore. In fact, since 2020, more than 80% of major cities and counties increased their police budgets by at least 2%. In nearly half of the cities, police budgets were up more than 10%. It seems like a major impact of defund the police was not an actual defunding of police, but of politicians claiming that that's what happened and then blaming that made up thing on a crime wave, which also only sort of happened, but kind of- What happened with Lizzo? Ah, I'm not looking forward to that story. Or it's gonna be brief. Kind of didn't happen at all. It's gonna be like it's a bandaid on my part. That you think that you can defund the police and have safer streets. We've seen how, how chaotic and catastrophic this has been in communities across the United States of America. And the same thing happened in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas defunded their police by more yeah, than $100 million. And the result was predictable. The result was last year, Austin set an all-time record for the number of murders. Hey, neat Cody fact. Austin, Texas absolutely did not defund the police for any significant length of time. And Abbott knows this because he signed a law in 2021 banning cities from doing so. 2021 is the year of record crime he's referring to, which coincidentally also held a record for highest funding of the police that year. Their homicide rate has been steadily increasing for the last five years and continued to increase well after the police were defunded and then refunded. <laughs> in other words, there's no correlation between defunding and crime in Austin. This has been my neat Cody fact. Fact, plural facts facts okay so i it's just wild the timing on all this because it is directly related to everything that sam cedar and uh sean were talking about and, and then just like piece by piece it's like oh because I, I mean i would have guessed a lot of these that it's just nice to, to to see them play out cut back to that clip why do i recognize the guy in the right could it be Texas Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCraw, who, just a month after this clip, would be asked to resign after a gunman walked into a Uvalde elementary school and killed a lot of children while the police sat outside and did nothing? Hmm. That feels relevant and depressing, which was actually the original name of this show, but we went another way. And despite all the stuff Abbott said being 
lies. It's been repeated so often by politicians and the media that people are actually starting to believe it. In a poll from late 2021, 75% of respondents cited defunding the police as at least a partial reason that, quote, some say that violent crime is on the rise. Some say even the poll question made it clear that the perceived rise of crime is in fact not happening because it wasn't. Every article about the rise of crime, including the one I showed about Austin, always notes that it's still not nearly as high as it once was. Or at most, it's a mixed bag of data where some crimes were up and some were down, owing to many factors, notably the 22 million guns that were sold in the first year of the fucking pandemic. But okay. Even if the police weren't specifically defunded the way those disgusting, sexy left. Yes, yeah, all the people who are asking, I'm going to move on from uh, this, uh, this cedar lock. Uh, this is the longest Sam Cedar lock we've been in since we started manufacturing those Sam Cedar body pillows. And boy, that was a fun day. Yeah, we had a great time. We were all making them at our own homes and then selling them at incredibly high inflated rates because people will pay a premium. That's what we learned together. If there's one thing that is true, people will pay a lot of money for a full life-sized body pillow of Sam Cedar. doesn't even matter if they're not that great and the construction is kind of shoddy and it's more just like a regular pillow with just like a printout of Sam's face put on top of it. But like that alone, whew, that was a hot item treated them must have resulted in more crime all right lance it was my 36th birthday yesterday congratulations and happy birthday i just want to let you know thank you for everything you do love the takes uh but i agree with olimi that you can be too nice love to see some lance in berserk mode and as an asexual i want to give you gratitude for the wonderful chat thank you i appreciate all the comments even the even the feedback you know because it, it made cops so pathetically sad that they're quitting in droves which would be apropos as the word drove is and this is true what you call a group of pigs Another Cody fact for you. Anyway, the pigs got their itty bitty feelings hurt. The executive director of the think tank police executive research forum or. Oh, people are asking if that was true. It is true. Check this out. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, this is right up there. That's the uh, that's the 69B model. Nice. Yeah, real, real pos uh, positive and popular item. People, people couldn't keep their hands off of it. Perf said perf. That's what you're going to go with. Okay, so the perfert said that a national conversation that questions the authority of police, quote, takes a toll and is behind an increase in police resignations. You must be nicer to the cops you see. Otherwise, they might not show up to shoot your dog and then give you a ticket for having a dead dog on your lawn. But also... They didn't quit in droves. That's not what happened. The police workforce dropped 1% by summer 2021, compared 1%? to 6% for all other industries. Fewer oh. new recruits have been joining police departments, leading to some staffing shortages. That's true. But many of the departing cops are actually just trying to transfer to the suburbs. Though the number of United States police officers dropped over the last three years, it actually dropped less than employment in other local government sectors, like bus drivers and firefighters, suggesting that people are simply opting to take jobs in the private sector or start their own business and so none of that seems to have anything to do with how mean people yeah that's that is really sad especially as like um, uh, uh, a good friend to dogs like you know this little guy is my everything you know i'll do i'll do anything to keep him safe but it's pretty fucked up 25 to 30 dogs killed every day by law enforcement justice department estimates really fucked up or being to cops, much like with crime, is just taking complicated data and vaguely reinterpreting it to push a blatantly false narrative. So That's what it all sounds like. Hey, go support Majority Report. Sam Cedars doesn't work. You know where that is. Go support some more news. You know Cody Shodi. He's awesome. Do you enjoy the surfs but prefer not to have to use your eyeballs? Many are saying this. 
Well, we've got the solution for you. It's the Surf Times in podcast form, available on most major podcasting networks now. If you enjoy it, please consider leaving a good review and feedback because it really helps the show out, apparently, and it's free, just like the podcast. Thank you kindly to our Lord and Saviors, Peyton L. Just and Xander Corvus. Without you, we are nothing. And now, a shout-out to our Knights of the Square table. Amazing Flesh, Anna Loves Riley, Adrian McCarthy, DM Rivera, Doug Cady, Everything Important, Hegbard Celine, Izzy Solidarity, La Media Panza, Matthew Scarborough, Multimondi, Nettle, Omni, Peanut Butter Blonde, Political Papi, Quiet185, Rachel K, Riley and Anna, Roller Dragon, Kubi, Cernicus, Spinach Monster, Stellar Vision, Sebastian Dimmel, Thomas, Trevbot EXE, Lucidry, Words Greenwood, Cheryl Alvarez, Tony Perkins, Thomas, O'Pecker, Travis McClinton, and Victoria Bell. Thank you so much. And a huge shout out to all the other people who make this entire show possible. Without you, it would not exist. If you can support us, please go to patreon.com slash the surfs, and even $1 can help unlock all of the little goodies and help make this show entirely possible. 